Good morning, everyone. This morning we are in Exodus 26 and 27. Occasionally to do the Bible over three years, one needs to do two chapters in a day, and today is one of those days. We are looking at the furnishings and instructions on how to build the tabernacle and courtyard area of the tabernacle. And one of the things I want to say as we get into these chapters is that God is way more detailed than I think what sometimes we give him credit for. And when you look at, you know, especially in our church right now, we're studying the end times. And when you begin to study end times, it's so complex. But the thing is, is that the more that you research you see the beauty of God's word and you see so many things come together through thousands of years of biblical history that tie together in such beautiful ways that you don't see it until you actually research it. But what you see is that God planned things out and God said things so long ago that then end up coming true. And you begin to see that God worked with people in an incredibly detailed plan. And the more you know, the easier it is to believe. The more you study, the more things come to light. And we see that in the tabernacle, in that the incredible detail that God, as he's talking to Moses on top of that mountain, to share with Moses the details of how he wanted this tabernacle built. And another area that we'll see this as we go through the scriptures is, We'll see that you know David end up get David ends up getting the plans for the permanent structure of this tabernacle, which is going to be the temple that's in Jerusalem that his son Solomon will build, and David prepares the plans for Solomon. And again, we just see God planning and preparing and the details that goes that goes into his structure. Um, so. Know that sometimes to get to know God better and really enjoy God, it takes getting your mind activated and digging in. And, you know, there's some parables about this in the Bible that talks about, you know, some will hear, but they won't really hear. Some will see and they won't really see. That's uh, written in Isaiah chapter 11, but it's carried forth into the New Testament a lot. And sometimes God spoke in parables. And one of the reasons he did that is because you'd have to think. You'd have to actually apply yourself. And to the person who's not really willing to dig in, they'll miss so much. And, and, and sometimes they may even miss God altogether. And he is sometimes challenging us and challenging you and I to not just look on the surface, but to keep learning and growing and and, and learning more. And it, it comes from those who seek, those who really seek, find. So, hallelujah. And, you know, in Exodus chapter 26, we begin seeing all the plans for the outer covering, or not, not really covering, the outer fence structure of the tabernacle. Because there's going to be a, a fence that's going to go all around the courtyard of the whole thing. Now, if you, you know, on your phone, I, I think on this particular 
podcast, I'm going to upload an image and you might be able to see it on the podcast app. If not, I really strongly encourage you to, you know, go online and just um, Google Tabernacle and pull up some pictures of what it looked like so that you can get a better visual of what's being done and said here. One of the beautiful images that, well, and, and one of them that I'm going to share with you is you'll see all Israel camped around uh, the, the, all the tribes of Israel and, and, and they would camp in specific spots. And then out in the inner camp would be Moses and Aaron and the people that served as priests. Then outside of that would be the 12 tribes of Israel. And inside the middle of it all is where God would dwell in this tabernacle, which is really the glory that God was dwelling in their camp. But there was this outside fence structure that kept anyone from just going into the tabernacle because it was such a holy place and it was so required to enter it with sacrifice and with holiness and with proper dress that God just didn't want people willy-nilly going into that area. So he put a, a fence around it so that people couldn't get in and only the priests would go in to those areas. Um, so that's what we get instructions. And then when you get actually into the the tabernacle proper, meaning inside the fence structure, then there's the two-chamber tent. And inside of that, there was a, a veil that separated the holy place, which they would go in on a regular basis, compared to the most holy place. And there'd be a veil between the holy place and most holy place. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that's where the Day of Atonement, the high priest would go in on one special day a year to sprinkle blood. And you can see some pictures if you would look at them. Uh, well, they'll kind of pull the top of the tabernacle proper off. And you can kind of see the two cham chambers and what's actually you know in the holy place and most holy place. And it's definitely worthy of study to, to look at that. And we've We've seen some of these details already through the book of Exodus, and we're going to see this communicated again. So it's not like today we're going to be done talking about the tabernacle, and we're going to pick up some of the details as we go. But one of the things that's talked about today is that, that veil that separated the holy place and the most holy place, and we'll see that at the end of chapter 26. What's really incredible about that is God's presence dwelt in the inner, innermost place on the other side of the veil from the holy place, a big thick curtain hung dividing the two. And when Jesus died on that cross, the veil actually tore while he was on the cross. And that was a symbol of how we have now been allowed in the church the church who believes in Jesus, to have the presence of God literally dwelling in us. Just as God dwelt in this tabernacle and in the most holy place, and only the high priest could go in on that day, now through the cross of Jesus Christ and him being the ultimate sacrifice, the veil was torn and now God's presence is in those who believe. Instead of him tabernacling in this tabernacle, he tabernacles or dwells inside of those who believe. The church is a special bride of Jesus. It's so different than before, and now he dwells in those who believe in him. 
amazing symbolism there and so important to know how special the church is to Jesus that he he gave us his presence like in the most holy place. The other thing is that now we are a kingdom of priests. And we've talked about this. That was God's original design. But at this time, just a little bit after Exodus 19, we see Aaron is, and his sons serving as priests. But now that the temple, the, the veil has been torn in the new covenant age of Jesus, now we're a kingdom of priests, just like God originally intended. And that's symbolized through his spirit being in all who believe. Before, only the high priest could be in the presence of his spirit. So now we all serve him, not as a Levitical priest, not as a Catholic priest, but just as a minister to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what we're supposed to do in this age is live for Jesus as his ministers, letting the world know about him and serving his kingdom uh, in a new covenant priestly way, not like you would think of in the past. So that's some incredible symbolism there. Now, as we move into chapter 27, there was an altar, and the altar was in the courtyard. So, you know, it was outside, not in the two-chamber tabernacle proper, because there would be a lot of smoke on that altar. And that's that bronze altar is where you would bring your sacrifice and where the sacrifice would be burned uh, is on that altar. and you know, now we don't have an altar like that anymore because Jesus was the once and for all final sacrifice. The sacrificial system has been fulfilled. That's why the law has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who was God's unblemished lamb. Like you were supposed to bring an unblemished lamb to be sacrificed at that altar. Jesus Christ was God's unblemished lamb, the once and for all final sacrifice Therefore, we don't have an altar like there was in the tabernacle anymore. But that's where the sacrifices would have been made in the Old Testament period. After that, it talks about the court and um, instructions about that, the court, and then also about the lamp that's going to burn continually in the holy place, not the most sacred place, but the holy place of the two-chamber tent. I just want to pick that up, and I'll say something about that in a moment. You shall, verse 20 of chapter 27, you shall charge the sons of Israel that they will bring you clear oil of beaten olives for the light to make a lamp burn continually. Now, that clear oil wouldn't smoke much and that's why they had to use such good oil in the holy place because with that lamp burning if it wasn't pure there'd be more smoke <clears throat> and it'd be hard to operate as priests in there in the tent of meeting outside the veil which is before the testimony Aaron and his sons shall keep it in 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 order from evening to morning before the Lord it shall be a perpetuate statute throughout their generations for the son of Israel so this light was to keep burning, the menorah, the seven lamps. And now we know that in, in the book of Revelation, that lamp refers to the church. And in the end, you know, in the beginning, what's really interesting is that God didn't need even the sun. He had his own light. And, and at the end of the world, when God brings the new Jerusalem, 
he's going to bring his own light again. It's like restoring itself to the garden. He will be the light. But but in the Old Testament, the the lamp, uh, you know, was a perpetual light that was to burn. And now the church represents, well, Jesus became the light of the world. And now the church is to reflect the light of the world uh, of Jesus to the world. And uh, in Revelation, lamps represented the churches. Very cool to see all this symbolism. Jesus called himself the light of the world. So we're going to learn more as we go through. You know, there's a, a great presentation. I actually have it uh, by Rose Publishing with lots of photos and details regarding the tabernacle. And uh, they're very worthy of study. And we'll look at, we'll be studying this more through the rest of the book of Exodus. There's a lot more details to come. Um, but praise God for how this, how God planned this tabernacle ultimately to be fulfilled and and uh, it's great to know the history so that we can see things that reflect our Lord and Savior Jesus in this new era we live in now. God bless you all.